Welcome to the Burbs Minute Podcast, quite possibly the greatest walkie-talkie movie ever made. I'm Jeff Barry. And I'm Chris Derkach. In this episode, we're covering Minute 72 of the Burbs, which begins with Art talking about taking out their alarms, and ends with Mark saying, I wonder if Art knows what he's doing up there. Um, I can pretty much guess Art does not know what he's doing up there. Yeah. We'll have to ask our special guest, Jason Hawk, from a lovely place called Simply Syndicated Land. I'm here from the Atomic Trivia 9000 podcast to say this episode is all about boys and their toys. Oh, yes. There are no women to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) This minute does not pass the Bechtel test. No. This movie does, but this minute does not. (laughs) Don't get me started on the Bechtel test. It's it's such a fake thing. It is broken, yes. Yes, (laughs) I remember when I first heard about it, I'm like, this is brilliant. And then I realized that movies that pass it shouldn't. Other movies where women are main characters, they don't pass it. Just... I mean, I think you can just watch a movie and realize if they're treating the women like equals or not. Ah, but do those other movies have art with a pair of snips? <laughs> well, see, this would be the type of movie where, although the women are not equal characters, I would say they are held in a better light than the men in the movie. Definitely. Yeah. They're the, the only ones who have their stuff together and know what's going on and are acting like adults. And are smart enough to just leave when stuff's starting to go bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One of them left, and the other one's hiding in her house. Yeah. Which yeah, I do it, feel a little bit, uh, a little bit like this movie falls prey to the classic "husbands are idiots" trope. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much every TV commercial you see nowadays. I did, I mentioned earlier, if you were going to remake this movie, if you're still going to take, say, you're going to have the same amount of people in the same positions, your group of three here, at least one of them is one of the wives. It has to be. Yeah. You just have like either it could be any one of the characters. It wouldn't matter. I think it would work with any of them. Jeff, how do you feel about uh, the Big Bang Theory? Uh, you mean like the theory by Stephen Hawking? You mean that Big Bang Theory? No, I mean like the television <laughs> show on CBS. <laughs> I have truly mixed feelings about it. Because I was thinking about this very same thing. If, if you took the cast of the Big Bang Theory, you could have the main four doing Red Rover, Red Rover, now let Ray go over. Yeah. Yeah, you basically could because they all have like a, a slight, uh, not mental, like a mental tick. Right. Like a, a character flaw. Yeah, everybody's a little off center. <laughs> it's just at different levels. Like, Ray is slightly off center, just a bit. Like, if he lived in a totally normal neighborhood, he'd be totally normal. The problem is, when he's in a totally idiotic neighborhood like he is now, he's magnetically pulled towards them and starts acting the way they are. And then when you have, you know, and then you have Rumsfeld and Art, which are just two peas in a pod of craziness. Yeah, they need Ray. We did mention before, there's another neighbor in this neighborhood who you never see. Who doesn't come outside. Yeah, we assume he just hides in his house all day. And he's like, <laughs> I'm never going outside. These people are all nuts. Mr. Wiseman? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's Jewish, so Mr. Wiseman. <laughs> I'm not going outside today. That was a spot-on Mel Brooks accent. Thank you. <laughs> that was perfect, yeah. <laughs> so does this mean that Ray doesn't have any personality of his own? Is he really just a cipher for the other two? I think he has a personality of his own. I, I said this very early in the movie. Like it start, The movie starts out with he's on vacation, but he seems like he's in a really crappy mood. Something horrible has happened at work. If this movie was made today, the first 15 minutes of this movie would be Ray at work hating his job. Yeah, we weren't sure he, he wasn't out on stress leave, not vacation. Yes, he's not. He's on quote-unquote vacation, yeah. which is either like out on stress leave or I was fired. <laughs> right. One of those things. Yeah, he doesn't then he would have like, gone to a hypnotherapist. Yeah. And the hypnotherapist would have died of a heart attack halfway through. And the hypnotherapist used to be on uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
<laughs> the British version. Come on, these are deep cuts, people. <laughs> yeah, but that was one of the main things that I like about this movie that I don't think they would ever do now. It never leaves this neighborhood. And it's also 95 minutes long. Another, like, four minutes of credits. You'd have to double that nowadays. If this movie's made by Judd Apatow, it's two hours and ten minutes long. Yeah. We go everywhere. We follow the Klopex to the, you know, to the hospital. We go. We see Ray's backstory. We find out where Ricky's parents are. I don't care. I, I don't care. I just want to see three morons jump the fence and get electrocuted. That's all I'm looking for. They would have spent 60 minutes on a quest to buy pot, and then they would have sat and smoked it in a basement until a magic tiger appeared. <laughs> I mean, that's me, how Judd Apatow works, right? Yeah, that's, don't get me started. I have both those guys in my uh, my death pool this year. which i'm not doing well in congratulations or i guess for you yeah i'm doing pretty well that's not a good thing (laughs) yeah i know that's why i before because i didn't post it until uh december 31st i had a really good list going and then i lost it and i just had to throw 20 names together so it wasn't quite as good oh wait i would be remiss if i didn't ask the uh purveyor of atomic trivia war a trivia question Uh uh-oh so I have one question again because I was too lazy to make up more. Corey Feldman starred in a little movie called The Lost Boys. What was his character's name? Oh, come on now. Character names. This is the okay. lowest form of I'll, trivia, John I'll, Ferry. I'll, I'll add you the extra modifier that I couldn't read the first time that I read. What was his character's amphibious name? I know it. <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, looks looks like somebody knows it. <laughs> I will, ad- I will admit this was the fourth question I came up with. <laughs> I told you. you can only what were the up first with- four? Or what was what, what were what were the first three? Oh, they're yet to come. <laughs> they're coming for you. <laughs> I don't know his first name, but I know I know what name you're looking for. It it was Frog. Yes. Yeah. He was yeah, one he of the Frog was, Brothers. He was one of the Frog Brothers. I desperately wanted to have a Lost Boys question, but I also desperately wanted to start this podcast on time. So <laughs> there you go. And if memory serves, didn't the Frog Brothers return for the sequel, the the very seldom watched sequel? I watched it. And what do you mean was sequel? It... Don't you mean sequels? Are there more than one? There was two of them. He had to tell me that, too, because I didn't know it either. I and seriously doubt this. The Frog Brother returned, just Corey Feldman. Um, so I don't remember much about it. Money, it the, whole movie, the whole movie is kind of like a fever dream to me at this point. So, like, I'm not totally sure of things I remember actually happened. I remember Tom Savini being in it and dying in the beginning. But, I mean, that could be a lot of movies. Yeah. And Corey Feldman's in it. He's, like, kind of your fourth kind of character in it. You know, he's the wise old sage people go to to get help with the vampire problem. And also, Corey Haim is in it. Really? For about four seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's all he was capable of doing at that point. I don't know if you know or not. He had a slight substance abuse problem. I think he did, yeah. <laughs> I looked it up. Edgar Frog. Yes. No, he's Edgar Frog. The other Frog Brother's not in it. I think you're led to believe that he's dead. Listen, I would tell you to go out and watch these. Don't. I don't even know if you want to waste your time reading the Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there are there more vampires? I mean, does that... <laughs> there's vampires in it, but it's it's basically, hey, here's a cast of people you don't know in a movie you never would watch. If we didn't throw Lost Boys in front of it. Huh. Oh, and by the way, here's Corey Feldman. Remember, he was in the movie, too. Oh, look, he almost gives a crap to be in this movie. <laughs> He's still talking with that weird voice, though, so that's fun. <laughs> Remember all the fun of the Lost Boys? Yeah, we don't have any of that. <laughs> None of that's here. 
And then I don't I don't even think I stuck around for the third movie. I, I just couldn't do that to myself. And then I guess Keeper Sutherland wasn't in either one of those. I mean, pretty much because, you know, spoiler alert, he dies in the first one. No, he's not in it. <laughs> but who's going to say Michael 70,000 times? Yeah. Ugh. Michael, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to play saxophone? I mean, that's the real question, I think. Whatever, let's stop talking about that good you, movie. Wait, so, you don't still Smith. believe? <laughs> Michael. That was that the kid with the girl's name was Star. Star, I think it was. I really hated a lot of characters in that movie. That was was Jamie Gertz. Yes. Jersey Girl, Jamie Gertz. I'm trying desperately to remember the name of the sax player. I want to say Tom Morello, but clearly that's not it. Oh, you don't think it was Tom Morello? It's not Tom Morello, no. (laughs) It sounds like that, though. Peter Morello? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I guess we'll attempt to get into the movie we're supposed to be covering. (laughs) Oh, I I know. Yeah, it is a good question. It gets brought up here in a minute. Why is Art the one who is detailed to climb up there and cut the wire? Yeah, I, I thought that as soon as I saw him with the hard hat on. Why? Why Art? Because he had the hard hat, and he had the costume. And is that it? <laughs> well, you know why he had the hard hat and the costume? He needed it for his next gig as the guy who shuts off the grid 212 and Die Hard. <laughs> so he just kept it. He just kept it and wore it there. <laughs> and the FBI has him shut it down. <laughs> I think instead of trying to cut the power... I probably would have just tried to find some other way to climb the fence. Well, that's what Ray says. I was thinking we could bypass the fence altogether and find another way in. Yeah, and then they, he says, that you don't know how many how many alarms they have in there. <laughs> During that, Rumsfeld's pulling out the uh, antenna, that walkie-talkie, and I think he can reach the, the top of that telephone pole with the antenna, that walkie-talkie. It's, it's not a walkie-talkie. It's, it's part of a soup can, and he's got the other soup can that goes to, uh, to <laughs> Ray. you got to stretch the wire out. It's You've got to wonder from the beginning what their exit strategy is, because once they've cut the wire, what are they going to do? Are they going to call the electric company and be like, somebody cut the power? Well, I assume they're just going to never mention it and hope nobody calls them on it. Hope only the Klopex house went out and nobody else's. Yeah, because I think the original plan is to cut the power to the Klopex house and not to half the town, which is yeah. what happens. <laughs> And the same for the holes in the backyard at the Klopex house. They they never have any intention of filling those back oh, in. No. I, yeah, but I've already explained what happened with the holes. He sees the Klopex digging around minute 10, 12. That, to me, is the Klopex throwing up some subterfuge. They know he's watching, so they just go and randomly dig in the backyard for no reason. Just in case the neighbors ever go looking, they spend their time digging up holes in the backyard looking for stuff that's not there. I think that's all an elaborate game from the Klopex. Because why would in God's like, name would you put anybody back there? This would be like if I'm I'm a sniper murderer and I want to throw people off, so I just pretend to snipe people because that's not going to rouse suspicion at all. <laughs> well, no. At that point, you know what they is... could have done instead of digging holes in the backyard? Nothing. <laughs> stayed inside. They could have not dug holes at all. In well, the at rain, that point, black cloaks. It's pretty much what I said about the, when they go to the Klopex house too. I think the Klopex know that the people are onto them. They're now trying to leave, so they're – Klopek is in the complete delaying action at this point. He knows the neighbors are onto him, but he also knows that the neighbors are idiots and that if they call the police, the police aren't probably going to do anything because they have no evidence. So as long as he keeps that balance, he's fine. So he's just got to hold these morons off for a couple more weeks till he can get out of town. Once he's out of sight, he'll be out of mind. He doesn't care. So he's just got to – think You don't think that they were removing the evidence from the backyard to put in the incinerator? No, I don't think so. I think they they were digging for. I think they were digging for his. 
Go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. Go. Let's hear <laughs> your theory. No bodies in the yard is the femur by the fence. Maybe they missed something. Well, I told you my problem with the femur <laughs> was if even if you were going to bury a body in your backyard, why would you bury it six inches from your neighbor's house? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Seems like a poor <laughs> place to put it. <laughs> but the, and then they they later on they dig up half the backyard. Well, Ray does, and then they can't find anything. Nothing. Yeah. I also think a poor time to dig in the backyard is in a driving rainstorm, but that's a different that's a different animal. <laughs> Just driving, like monks. Yeah, in a driving rainstorm with thunder and lightning, which is the only reason why he could see them. <laughs> because if you were out there with no light, nobody would have saw you. They're, listen, nobody in this movie is very good at what they're trying to accomplish. <laughs> the neighbors aren't good at breaking in. The Klopeks aren't particularly good at not being super suspicious. I solved all the Klopeks' problems. All they had to do was when they moved into town – Leave Hans and Uncle Reuben inside because they're super creepy, and they give everybody the creeps. Dr. Klopek could have went to every house and said, hello, I'm new in the neighborhood. I'm Dr. Klopek. I work at the university. Um, I live with my nephew. He's a little weird, and my brother who got hit in the head during the war. Yeah. And then that's it. And then everybody would write off all the weird stuff like, oh, well, oh. he's got problems. But that oh, Dr. Klopek's very nice. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame he takes care of his his, bro- his nephew and his brother. <laughs> Yeah, they but, never address the family that lived there before whom the Klopeks did murder. They had to be every bit as bad because this house hasn't fallen into the state of disrepair in the last month and a half. We've talked about that. Oh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like their whole thing about the yard and the house. It obviously looked like that before. It, I mean, in four weeks, you didn't make what, did they come in and pour gasoline on the lawn to kill it. <laughs> they brought in a beehive and stuck it in the wall. <laughs> We're also pretty sure all the crap in the house is not the Klopeks. It's the Naps. Yeah, so the Naps is – because they do mention that they, uh, they had never been in the Naps house either. Right. So, I mean, it could be all the Naps stuff. They just moved in, and that's why he, when he says it came with the frame, did it? Yeah. Or is that like the Naps' granddaughter? <laughs> it seems like a poor way to do business, to just murder someone, move into their house, and not change anything. <laughs> I think uh, – I think you're trying to hide in plain sight, not make yourself the most obvious. I mean, what if you moved into like a quote-unquote normal neighborhood where these maniacs didn't live? You still would have had problems. People would have called on you and said like, um, these people's lawns are dead and <laughs> do something about this. Imagine talking about was- the Klopeks being smart. They they move into a, a nice two-story ranch – or well, it can't be a two-story ranch. A nice two-story uh, colonial with nice paint. They live there for 10 years until the paint starts to deteriorate a little bit. You know, they don't move into a trashy house that's going to draw lots of attention. Yeah. Or you move into the trashy house and you make Hans get out there and fix it. (laughs) And everybody in the neighborhood is super grateful to you because you're investing in the property. Yeah. You know, what's Hans doing the rest of the day except sitting around catching flies having a horrible facial hair? (laughs) He's a redhead, though. You can't trust those people. Moving on. All right. Oh, before I forget, we were talking about. Rumsfeld's ridiculous walkie-talkie that he has there. <laughs> so I won't, I won't insult your intelligence, Chris. I know you know what a walkie-talkie is. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, more formally known as a handheld receipt transceiver, which I've never heard it referred to, no. is a handheld portable two-way transceiver developed during the Second World War. Do you know why he's they were called so, walk- He's so eager to show off siren mode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it goes off forever. <laughs> yeah, he, he lets it run for about five seconds too long. Yeah, because it's a covert operation, and you don't want to draw attention. Yeah, <laughs> it also says you can raise all the police channels and the power company on this baby. Yeah, but Ray stops caring about halfway into that talk. He he's already yeah. walking away. 
Hey, Chris, why were they called walkie-talkies? Because you can walk and talk on them. Yes, that's half right. <laughs> but when they were originally developed, they, you know how in this it's a handheld thing, and we, re, we refer to it as a walkie-talkie. Re, the original walkie-talkies were like a huge box you had to wear on your back. So one guy walked while the guy behind him talked on the phone. Uh, so it was a walkie-talkie. It was two pieces. Oh, wow. As a matter of fact, if you look at the little green army men that you used to get, you know, 52 a bag, they had the guy with the metal detector, the guy with the bazooka, the guy with the assault rifle. They also had the guy with the walkie-talkie on his back. And the guy getting shot. The guy getting – well, I always preferred to think that he was just crawling through the mud. Oh, or He's either poop. getting shot or crawling. Yeah, you do either one with him. <laughs> no, I put him up front. He was cannon fodder. <laughs> like, there needs to be some sacrifices. <laughs> Yeah, so we get a, you know, Mark Siren mode. Again, that just points more to him. He just needs to be a show-off. I'm surprised he's not showing everybody his rifle. Yeah. Unless he's done that many times before. <laughs> My other question is, so Arts climbs up. First of all, he's got his whole thing full of tools, although he honestly only needs the clippers. Yeah. Also, he has plans of some sort. Wait, where did he get the blueprint from? That's what, what I was thinking, too. What are the blueprints of? Because <laughs> he doesn't, well, he does try to look at them. Yeah, I feel like they're the instructions for how to work his microwave, and he's just look, trying to look like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Do we ever get a solid answer on where Art works for his day job? No. No. We never find he, out where he works. We never find out where Rumsfeld works. We never find out where anybody works. He, he's so convincingly committed to his roles, whatever persona he's adopting. He, I mean, could he possibly be an actor? Because uh, he, he's got the different costumes all the time. You think he's like a local stage actor? You know, he <laughs> I think he's a... I think he's a bored guy who has way too much money, and so he just goes out buying costumes like a child. And waits to use them. Or he could be like the the real life the real life Rick Dukeman. He um he founded a skateboard company with his brother, and that's how they made their money at first back in the eighties, like right when the skateboard boom hit. Huh. So I forget what it was called, but it was like I wouldn't know what it was, and you guys might not know, but apparently it was pretty famous in the skateboard world. So he could have done something like that. Like if it was these days. He would have created an app. Yeah. He would have created an app about, like, you know, how to ingest the most disgusting food in one meal. You know, <laughs> what to do when you accidentally eat your friend's dog food. Something like that. Skull skates. That's it. Skull skates. Mm. Him and his brother. I know he, he divested from it before at some point, but he did help found it with his brother. I read a little bit about him before. He was basically a transient. Yeah. Because he, he, I know he left his house because he, he, hate, he either hated his father or had some sort of problem with him. But I knew him, I knew him probably right around the times I started watching, when I first saw The Burbs, I saw one of his stand-up specials on HBO, and it was hilarious. And he was, Peace was of fun. Mind? I know, I saw um, the other one. Um, God, Hit and know, Run. Hit and Run. Hit and Run's really good. It's funny because it's topical humor at the time, so he's talking to like Bill Clinton and stuff, but he had a very interesting look at life and I, I really enjoyed it he was one of the first comedians i saw cold where like i didn't know who he was going in like yeah i saw george carlin at that time too but i knew who he was already he was already famous he was one of the first people i saw and was like this person who i didn't know before is genuinely funny well and that's he, what earned him his role in blank check was that <laughs> did you never see disney's blank check starring rick Dockerman? i have seen it but it was years ago because it's not stand up to the uh the scrutiny of these movies the, the, the weird thing about him is that he never really transferred that stand-up talent into any movie roles. He was always just the guy in the corner. 
he was the, always the bit player, and he did some Dante movies because he's in Gremlins too as a as a, like a kind of a day player. He's in Die Hard as a day player. He was um, Sydney's father in um, oh god, with Scream, the first Scream, not Scream, what's the fake one? Scary movie. Scary movie, yeah. Yeah, he's the one to tell her, you know, uh, be careful with his drugs when he goes away. He's in the hunt for uh, Red October and yes. Encino Man. All right. Yeah, but right now he's playing Electrician Man. And I got to tell you right now, if uh, part of my thing to break into my neighbor's house was to climb up on an electric pole and cut a wire, it wouldn't be happening. No. Because for as much as he says electricity is our friend, electricity is not my friend. And heights aren't my friend too much either. Yeah, I, if, <laughs> if, I guess if I had to climb up there to like save a member of my family, maybe I'd be uh, willing to do it. But just to climb up there to cut the wire, I'd be like, no, how about we just break into their house? <laughs> can't, to save a member of your family, can't you just like stretch out a sheet? And let him jump down into it instead of climbing up there. All by yourself, you're gonna do that. <laughs> you tie to the pole. And you're stretch like, just, it out. just jump down. I'll probably be able to break your fall, and you probably just break your leg or your hip or something. <laughs> All that is what makes Bruce Dern's reversal joke so funny. When Ray asks him, you know, why aren't you the one doing this? And, and Bruce Dern says, well, it's really high. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very high. <laughs> yeah, so we don't get quite to the moron electrocuting himself. <laughs> Uh, they do uh, squeeze in the joke about uh, when he says my middle name is Safety. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought his middle name was Lewis. <laughs> like, that is such a lowbrow, like, Joe Dante-type joke. Yeah. Or, like, a joke that somebody said on the day. Because, as I've mentioned before, this movie was shot during a writer's strike. <laughs> that reminded so, me of a Bugs Bunny joke, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, every, everything from here on out is Looney Tunes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, we, we've, we have left reality at this point. And we are From here on out, it's just it's physical comedy punches that are all being telegraphed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much how crazy can we get, and then once we reach that level of craziness, how do we up it to the next one? Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it in the next minute. But what happens to Art after this, and one of the psych gags they make afterwards is yeah. a flat out Looney Tunes moment. Definitely. All right. Well, we're talking. We're starting to get into the next minute, so I guess I'll just wrap it up there. Unless one of you guys has something specific you haven't brought up about well, I just art climbing up Yeah, I do want to mention one thing. When Ray says "start in the backyard, then check the basement," am I the only one that's hugely annoyed by this? I mean, just strategically. Like, why start in the backyard? Yeah, because you want to rule out the house first because it's harder to access. It's smaller. It's harder to evacuate. You go in the house first. I think there's problem with the digging in the backyard. That's what they're worried about the most, I think. I don't know how you – I know that they're – because this is their problem. They're too focused on the digging in the backyard, and they forgot what was the original thing that keyed them off to let them know that the Klopeks were up to something. The it weird was, glow in the basement. Yes, yeah. which would have been the first place I went. Yeah, you're right. The problem is when they get there, they still screw up and go for the wrong thing when they're down there. <laughs> but they're morons. I think we've accomplished that already. You got anything left, Chris? Nope. All right, Jason? No, sorry. I just wanted to mention that one because yeah, ever since I was a little kid, that's bothered me. Yeah, well, <laughs> As a kid, huh? <laughs> yeah. I would, I would love to say that it's like a flaw in the movie, but I don't think it is. I think it's a flaw in the characters. I think they're just that dumb. Oh, I agree with you 100%. I can't even say, like, oh, that's poor writing. No, it's good writing. They're idiots. <laughs> as, it's, as often as proved. All right. So I'll just say uh, I'm going to wrap this up for this minute. If you want to find us, we're over at the uh, Burbs Minute on Facebook and on Twitter. That's pretty much it. We're we're not much on the social medias besides those two places. Go over to Movies by Minutes to check out the other 147-minute podcasts. 
Uh, by the time you hear this, there's probably five new ones. There will definitely be something you enjoy. And when, where can they find Mr. Jason Hawk? Uh, they can find it at www.thesmokeyandthebanditminutepodcast.com. <laughs> uh, they can find us over at facebook.com slash ATW9K, at simplysyndicated.com, at soundcloud.com, on iTunes. Whatever fine uh, downloader of podcasts you have access to, you can find ATW9K. All right. I think that's all we have. So uh, just remember, safety is my middle name, and stay safe, neighbors. I thought it was Lewis. <laughs>